Hello and welcome to OnlyFans on the Perfect Hat-Trick Podcast, where we talk more Euro 2020 matches and less overrating content. Today on the podcast, we will be previewing the map quartering clash between England and Denmark. But first, let's take a look at how both of them got to the semi-finals. The first chapter in what England hope will be an epic tale starts with a rematch of the World Cup semi-final. That's better from England. Still Phillips feeding Sterling. Sterling! First place in the group secured. Unbeaten, unbreached, unruffled. It's finished at Wembley. England won. Czech Republic nil. Driving forward. Harry Kane wants it played into him. He chooses Grealish instead. It's Grealish. It's Kane. England have a two-goal lead. Henderson, that's it, they've done it. Gareth Southgate had had beating Germany in a knockout game at a major tournament to his incredible list of achievements. Mount's corner, headed in by Jordan Henderson. Unbelievable. England are back on the road to Wembley and heading to a European Championship semi-final for the first time in a quarter of a century with their biggest ever victory at the knockout stages of a major tournament. Christian Eriksen of Denmark collapsed to the floor. Stringer Larsen, Jeopardy, there was adventure, and yet the story has a happy ending. What a tale, what a finish to Group D, and what a way for Denmark to seal their place in the round of 16. He finds Dolberg, who fancies a goal, but it's Denmark tonight. They are victorious in Amsterdam, beating Wales by four goals to nil. Baylor has been sprung here. That's a terrific cross and a wonderful goal. Dolberg makes it two. It is Denmark who go through to the semi-finals. Some things are just meant to be in football. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. England versus Denmark Tower and the big one, you know, the one that you fans would hopefully be waiting for after that heartbreak you had versus Croatia. But first of all, let's start off with the injury news and any team news that you have for us. Yeah, um, well, there's not really much to report on. Bukayasaka obviously missed uh, the massive game with with um, uh, Ukraine, sorry, and yeah, with a muscle injury, but he is expected to be competing with Mason Mount for that the last spot in the front three against Denmark to deal with Yannick Vestergaard. Apart from that, a fully fit team. And, you know, Gareth Southgate's had a, a lot of talk about that 24-man squad leaving out three players per game. So it's more about who's going to miss out. Will it be Reese James? Will it be Ben White? Will it be Jude Bellingham? One of these players, three of these players will miss out this massive game. And, of course, nobody wants to. Uh, in terms of Denmark, Yusuf Paulsen is now in contention to start this game after his small muscle injury that left him on the subs bench for the last two games. But he did come on at half-time for Kasper Dolberg and he is expected to to compete with Dolberg for that spot. But, you know, Dolberg's form has been very good, so the, the Denmark media do expect him to start. In terms of Daniel Vass, he is still out with an injury, which leaves Strigger Larsen as a right wing back. But, yeah, Denmark have a very strong team. England have a very strong team. It's more about the squad depth that will get them through, not about the injuries. 
Jack Grealish may be remaining to be on the bench, but we'll see, we'll see. So more on the lineups, obviously, and I know that um, Southgate has been shuffling, uh, shuffling it up a bit. Obviously, against Germany, we saw a five at the back. Of, uh, and in the last game, we saw a 4-3-3. So do you think he could uh, go with a 4-3-3 or stick with a five at the back to match Denmark's um, Denmark's uh, system? Or do you think he'll, he'll just remain with the good form that these England players are on? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, if it was me personally, I would I would match Denmark. But, you know, the way we played against Ukraine, I believe Ukraine did play a five at the back system as well. And, you know, the way we played in that game was so electric. Is it really worth fixing something that's not broken? I'm, I'm not quite sure. That fluid front four was really clicking with the overlapping fullbacks and the Carl Walker target in to make it a back three. It really looked like a beautiful formation. If you look at that 4-3-3 on paper... You see Carl Walker tucks in, like I said, Maguire and Stones are the back three. Then you have the pivot in Rice and Phillips. Then you have the wing backs, which should kind of be, you know, Luke Shaw would bomb forward. And maybe it could be Phillips or Rice occupying that space with one of the cams dropping in. Mm -hmm. It could even go to a, a five-back in-game. But on paper, I do think Gareth Southgate will try and match Denmark. He is a tactically fluid manager in the way I like him to think. And I believe it will be yeah, a front three of, of Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane. Saka is an option, but... I believe uh, Mason Mount's Champions League experience will get him the, the start of the wing backs. So obviously, Luke Shaw, Kieran Trippier will be expected to come back in. And then, you know, the back three and the pivot is the same. And Jordan Pickford. So, yeah, it's a big debate. Will he try and match that Denmark team? But, you know, if you if you leave Jackie and Mayla to, to, to expose the left and, and, you know, use overlap, stuff like that, I think it is very dangerous. Same with Strigger Larsen. And you can't let these, these numerical advantages happen that happen with a fight at the back. So... Yeah, I think he will match that. And like I said, that team will predict to start. And, you know, Delaney, Hoybier, Damsgaard, all these other great players will cause massive issues if we don't, you know, match them. So if we are to really deal with the strength, the physicality, the pace of that Denmark team, I say England do go to the fight at the back. And, you know, it's not like it's a system that is crazy and it's a last-minute decision. It's a system that England have played multiple times in the qualifiers, at the World Cup, even at this Euros. And, you know, the players know it inside out. Maybe not Phillips and Rice are the best kind of ability but the Mason Mount Champions League winning player in that position Hume Sterling maybe not so much but at the World Cup he did play the same with Kane the wing backs you know they are comfortable in that position and yeah I do expect Gareth Southgate to revert back to that that famous formation and try and match that the strong physical team and just mentioning on to the Rice and Phillips point I do feel like obviously people have questioned that obviously people are saying Bellingham should come in people are saying obviously Henderson now who's getting back to full fitness slowly saying that he should come in but do you think that Rice and Phillips have really cemented their place now within the England team that they think obviously it's a, it is a bit weird I didn't think I actually expect Phillips to start at all obviously not because he's a Leeds player but because especially in obviously in England system Southgate you know with the options that he has you know he has you could say better options on the bench, but obviously Phillips has done really well. But especially in covering the spaces, as you said, Damsgaard, you know, Paulson if he starts, Dolberg, all these all these attackers that Denmark have. Do you think that Phillips and Rice are really, how I would say, trained in that spot now to cover spaces well that the fullbacks leave? Yeah, it's a great question again. Um, well, the way I've seen Phillips and Rice is like Iniesta and Xavi to a, to a really extreme ability. It's just been such a dynamic pivot of rotation defending passing it's just it's not like they're two ready sold dms they're not two attacking dms they just have a perfect blend and they worked really well together which you know a lot of people before the tournament were saying why would you have two holding dms next to each other it doesn't really make sense you need one progressive one but you know they can both play the progressive role in it it looks really tasty um 
I guess the question isn't about Bellingham. It's more about Jordan Henderson. Will Southgate rely on his experience, a big game World Cup, you know, experience and Champions League winning, Premier League winning experience to to play in a big semi final over Phillips, who maybe doesn't have that. But you know, I I think Phillips and Rice will start. They've been so flawless in this tournament. Declan and Rice against Ukraine and Germany was absolutely amazing. Phillips has had an amazing tournament in the DM. So you know, I think if the game is at this fiftieth, sixtieth minute mark and it's getting to a stage where you need a bit of experience on the pitch. The players are tiring. You need, you know, the leader to be on there. I think Henderson will come on. You know, he scored that goal against Ukraine to really cement that place. So I think, you know, Henderson will come on late on in the game to really do that. But, you know, if if I was in Gareth Southgate's shoes and I would kind of predict what he's going to go with, I say he's going to stick with that that pivot. Whether it's in a double pivot in a in a four-two-three-one in a three at the back and a five at the back, I don't even know the systems anymore. But you know, I do think he will stick with that. And you know, Jude Bellingham could have a late hurrah. If it's like. Three nil, we could come on for a little bit of experience and stuff like that. But you know, if Henderson comes in, I wouldn't be too surprised. But my prediction is that he will stick with Rice and Phillips, and Henderson mm. will come on for a bit of experience. Yeah, those are all good points. And mentioning on to Southgate part now, obviously we've seen them against Croatia. Tactically, he didn't really, let's say, close up shop when England did go one 0 up. I feel like you know he did he made some decisions where you know the back line was really open, especially in that Croatia semi final. But do you think that this time there's an element to say that? Now the they don't they don't necessarily look that good in terms of obviously apart from the Ukraine game they don't necessarily need to look good to win games and do you think that Southgate now with his tactics do you think that he will profit from that instead of obviously for example the flaws he had in twenty eighteen where he just tried to outscore Croatia yeah listen I have a, I have a lot of points to make about this but it is a short podcast I'll try to keep it um try and keep it short but what I will say is this tournament I've seen a big kind of mental improvement since the last tournament in terms of you know in-game changes when it comes to you know the Henderson coming on the young players getting experienced uh, the more rotation you know in the World Cup we saw Sterling Kane every single game Ashley Young Trippier but this tournament has been rotation there's been you know tactical changes where it's the start of the game with Sancho coming in whether it's Saka Matt rotating whether it's the fullbacks whether it's the system change I've seen a big big improvement obviously it's been three years since the last tournament he's had three years to work with this group of players but you know, I've seen a big improvement with, with Gareth Southgate in this time. And at the World Cup, you could say even we played better than it was now. We beat Panama, what was it, 6-2. We beat Sweden comfortably, who were playing well. We beat Colombia, who had great players. Rodrigo, I don't think Rodriguez was fit. I think Yeremina was having an amazing tournament. And they had great, great players. But, you know, we still haven't had a massive test in this tournament. Germany, for me, in this mm. tournament, were not that the outfit that people are making out to massive massive win against you know Germany and stuff like that they're not the team that they were before so I think you know you could say the similarities are both tournaments hasn't been a massive test but for me Denmark will be that big big Croatia-esque test where you know there's a team that can really cause issues to this England side and it's where the Southgate can you know show his improvement which I think he will but um, I'm predicting that we will get through this game and Southgate has improved since the World Cup and you know, even the players are coming out and saying, I believe at the World Cup when we beat Sweden, there was so much excitement. There was so much, I believe it, was on pe- it wasn't on penalties. There was so much excitement. And now the players in interviews are saying, yes, we've reached the, semif- the semi-finals, but we want to get further. We want to reach the, the final. We want to get all the way. And it's not just about you know semi-final. We want to improve. And I think not just the manager, the players clearly want to get further. And it's not a tactical thing. It's a mental thing that's improved. So... Yeah, the way I predict is that the players are going to be fighting 100 more percent than the World Cup. They're going to be up for this. They're going to be playing for the badge. And, you know, it is at Wembley as well, which is a big, big advantage. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I think Southgate will hopefully, fingers crossed, get it tactically correct. Yeah, and obviously to mention that point, because I have seen, obviously, you mentioned that there's a better understanding between the players and the manager, but obviously people have been tweeting hours, but, you know, they, we've seen it everywhere on Instagram, for example. Obviously, why is Jack Grealish not starting? Why is, I don't know, for example, Foden not starting? Obviously, I know you have a strong opinions on Mount not starting or whether he is starting or not, but do you think that now, especially, like, for example, the fact that he starts Rice and Phillips every game, which people don't expect to see, do you think that... He's now focused on the fact that it's it's mainly just about the system and not the players, not the players that the people want to see. Because I feel like it, it can be hard because obviously for for Germany, put Germany for example, whereas Love in that three four three, he just basically tried to fit in all the names that he could. For example, Gnabry, Havertz, Muller, all the all these players that didn't really fit in together. Kimmich on that right hand side. Gundogan and uh, Gret, uh, sorry, Kroos in the midfield that just didn't work together. Whereas Southgate, he has a clear plan. He's he's leaving Henderson, Sancho, Rashford on the bench, for example, players like that. But he's still got the understanding and the trust of every other player. And you know, every other player that gets put in that system, you know, works. So do you think that that's the thing that you know has really shown in this tournament, the trust? I don't think it's a system. I, I don't think the system is too too something to gas up about. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. you know chance creation being wrong, defensive flaws at times, even though there's been zero goals conceded. But you know, you put it perfectly in when the recent podcast that is the trust in who he trusts. He isn't a manager who gets pressured by the nation to play. Yeah. You know, Grealish and Bellingham and um, Ben White and all these other players. It is mm-hmm. who he trusts. Who would have predicted before this tournament that Raheem Sterling would play every single game? That you know. Um, Kieran Trippier would come in and Carl yeah. Walker would start over Champions League right. right back May I like to mention I did actually uh, have that as my prediction when we did make the uh, Euros lineup, and you sadly put Sancho and Creelish ahead of Sterling and Rashford Yeah but you also put Rashford in but yeah Rashford dis- dis- did not yeah, play yeah, in the tournament he, as well so I, d- I guess it did level out in the end but you know, the, the, the trust has been paid back it's not like Sterling has been paid play just for the trust he has paid it back and you can see mm. he's been England's best player by far the tournament Walker he's been so good tucking into that right centre back role and you know like I said he could have signed Reese James a right back me personally before the tournament I was saying you know chill one Reese James all the way you have to start with Champions League winning players but you know he's stuck with what he believes in to make him the best and you know even at the start of the tournament the first few games of Scotland the uh, Croatia game we were all saying you know, this isn't the right manager. He's a, he's a dead manager. He doesn't know what he's doing. But, you know, I'm happy for people to prove me wrong if it means my nation's going to get the benefits. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's proved a lot of people wrong. And, you know, just trust the manager right now and hopefully we get through tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with most of the things you said there. Very good points. Now, uh, moving on to some of the key battles, obviously, I think that... Um, one one key battle I have to mention, uh, Andreas Christensen versus Mason Mount. Now, obviously, two Chelsea teammates. Obviously, uh, as you know, Christensen is so good at man-marking free-roam players. But, you know, Mason Mount is really, I'd say, the top level, you know, free-roaming players that, you know, he presses, whereas someone that you see don't come, not coming and then he immediately nicks the ball off you. And that's, that's basically one of his best traits. And do you think that um, this will be a good battle, Christensen versus Mount? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, Chris said he came into the midfield role against, I believe it was um, Wales, when he got Aaron Ramsey, who was so, so good against Turkey, completely out of the game. And Ramsey is a serious, serious baller. And he was non-existent in, in that role. And even for Chelsea this season, I've seen Christensen man-marking, 
you know, big, big players I can't really think of right now, maybe like Vinicius Jr., Sensio, other players like that. And he's completely made them go out of the game. So it's going to be interesting to see two Chelsea teammates against each other. They train with each other on the training ground week in, week out. They know their little dinky movements they like to do, where they like to defend, where they like to attack. And, you know, Christensen, if he is on his game, which I think he will be tomorrow, um, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, because, you know, when he's in confidence, he's been scoring bangers, he's been playing blind as he's been, you know, posting on his Instagram every week, which he never usually does. Then he plays at his best. And Mason Mount, he's been playing in fine form. He was really good against uh, Ukraine. He was, you know, putting in beautiful deliveries despite that kind of COVID scare. And these players are both coming off a Champions League win. So it's about two massive confidence players. Who is going to get the better out of both of them? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a massive prediction. This battle is going to be one to really watch because I believe the Denmark manager will put Christensen to man mark one of these players, whether it'll be Sterling, whether it'll be Mount, whether it be Saka, whoever starts that game, you know, Sancho even, definitely not Rashford, who really has not played in the tournament. And uh, I don't know, but what I'm going to say is this battle is going to be something to watch out for because whoever gets a better, it could mean their team win the game. And I know that sounds like some vanilla statement, mm. But if Christensen plays to a high ability, they're going to win the game. If Mount plays to a high ability, England are going to win the game. So this battle is going to be, you know, like, I don't know, Tekken 5. It's going to be a massive, massive battle to watch out for. Tekken 5, yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> but another battle, obviously, moving on to the fullback kind of side. And I have been obsessed with the fullback position since uh, lockdown in 2020. Um obviously we've seen it we've seen this employed a lot obviously it it, it would depend on whether Southgate plays a four at the back but if he does play a five at the back we will see Trippier start hopefully and he will be up against Mailer. Now this guy has been absolutely incredible. I mean you could just see his assist the other the other day. He, oh my god that outside the foot cross was incredible. Sorry, incredible, but um, yeah. So obviously, Mailer, as we know, he has a he does have a lot of pace. And Kira Trippier really needs to be alert, to be honest, because obviously he he's not really the best in that department. But what do you see this battle holding? Do you, do you think that Mailer would just run him over? Or, well, not in a car sense, but mm. in, in general, do you think he would just run him over, or do you think that Trippier, you know, especially with his technical ability and especially with the way that England can keep the ball, do you think that Trippier will be fl- will be fine? He hopefully doesn't run him over in the car park before the game because then his battle will just be completely over. But yeah, I mean, Mailer, what tournament? Like you mentioned, that assist outside of the boot, curling assist, perfect to go to Goldberg, Alex Goldberg, Casper uh, Dolberg. It was beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, um, fast. But yeah, and his his goal against Wales, that was so good. He cut in on his left foot. I mean, other goals where he scored, I believe it was against, um, I don't know, even knowing the group stages against some game. But yeah, this battle, I feel like that's why Carl Walker's there to to allow that, you know, when Trippier is getting burned, he goes forward, it allows him to cover that space that, that you know, he could leave. Even if you overlap, then you have Declan Rice or Phillips to get next to. But this battle could be big because Trippier, people are saying Mailer could get past Trippier, but, you know, if Mailer isn't on his game, Trippier is going to be overlapping with his mm. his wonderful crossing ability. He's going to pick out Kane. He's going to pick out the back post runs of Raheem Sterling, of Mason Mount, who could, you know, whip one in with a volley or something. So, you know, I think Mailer defensively, you know, he doesn't look too great to me. Going forward, you know, he's amazing. But there's a reason Atlanta this season, he's not been a main, main starter, you know, since he's come in from Kron Genk. It's because defensively, he's not as good as you'd like as a wing back. I believe he did used to be a winger before. But going forward, it's going to be almost like kind of an attacking battle. But I feel like Trippier is more well-rounded, I'd say. He can go forward to a good ability. He's quite good at defending and one-on-one defending. So... Yeah, it's going to be a big battle, but you know if Mailer is making them overlap and runs, Trippy is going to get burnt for pace. 
Carl Walker, what I've seen from this season, is not the same defender he used to be. It could be a really crucial battle. And if there's one player who I say could really influence the game for Denmark, apart from Christensen, it would be Damsgaard, who I don't think we're going to get into right now, but also Mela. And yeah, he's been so good. Amazing confidence right now. He could get a goal, and assist, anything like that. So Trippier needs to be on his A-game to, to defend, to stop the inverted run, stop the overlaps, to, to match his pace and to give him a few yards to run. Because if you get too tight to him, he's going to absolutely burn you. It reminds me of Kieran, Kieran Tierney sorry, against Aspilicueta last season. It was absolutely burning. And yeah, I feel like it's going to be a really interesting fullback kind of battle, as you know I love as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, Trippi is going to be in for one hell of a ride, but obviously if he has a Ferrari behind it, I don't think he'll he'll mm. worry with Carl Walker. But anyway, moving on to the next battle now, Raheem Sterling, obviously England's, well, we like to think England's player of the tournament from so far. You know, he's scored, what is it? He's scored like four out of the seven goals for England yeah. that they've scored in total, four out of the eight goals or something like that, which is which is incredible, to be honest. I mean, especially with the season that he's had with Manchester City, you know, being dropped by Phil Foden. And obviously against the hero, the the one that we like to think saved um, Christian Eriksen, Simon Kadja. Now, this battle is it's a bit of an odd one, to be honest. I wouldn't say Kadja's definitely a player that can, you know, for example, keep up with Sterling, especially with his pace. And um, but, but where do you see this battle lying, to be honest, with Sterling? Obviously, he's England's player of the tournament, but, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought this battle was very important. So how, where, where, do you see, where do you see the importance that lies within this battle? Yeah, I can't believe you said Kadja, first of all, if you can. Yeah, Kadja. It's, it, I think it is actually Kadja, because I do remember... Um, I do remember some FIFA, uh, FIFA. Yeah, Derek Gray. That's it. I do, oh, or Martin Gray. Tyler. I do remember one of them two saying Kadja. So if I'm, it was I'm Derek Gray, with that. Why are you backing Derek Gray? What the hell? <laughs> if it was Martin Tyler, fairs, but Kadja, yeah. But Simon Kier again. It's Raheem Sterling. Oh uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting because I think Christian will kind of tuck in, which will leave Kier to deal with Raheem Sterling. And you know, what can I say about Sterling in this tournament? He, you know, he occupies them central areas. He lets short overlap to cross the cane to cross the. You know, Kane again, but, you know, Sterling does occupy the central areas and that's why Kier comes in, the captain, the leader, the legend, that's John Terry. But, you know, Kier will be will be man marks to, not man marks, it'll be his job to stop Sterling from really, you know, making the inverted runs, assisting to Kane, to driving, to, you know, curling one into Sancho, to Trippi or something like that. So, yeah, if there's a captain who needs to step up today, it's the captain who needs to stop England's best player of the tournament. So, this battle could be really interesting because if Sterling gets around the space and you know creates for Kane, it could cause one, two, three goals with the with the form that Kane's in. So Kier needs to be really alert of where Sterling's gonna go at all times. He needs to be, you know, defensively sound. He needs to be winning his jewels in the air. He needs to be marking the central overloads of Sterling and Phillips of Rice. And I think this battle could be one to look out for because, you know, like I said, Kristen will be man marking Mount or Saka and it could leave a bit of space for Sterling. So if Kier is sloppy like he was AC Milan a few times this season due to the end of the title race, then, you know, Sterling could be an influential player in this game. So, yeah, this could be a massive battle as well. Mm. And obviously, you know, Kadjo, Kadjo, mm. <laughs> he, he has been a terrific player for Denmark and I think they all have, especially, you know, with the form that they're all in and, you know, it's... Mm, where, before before we get on to score predictions, where do you see Denmark? Where do you see the uh, you know in ways that they can win this game? Obviously, through England's weaknesses, where do you think England's weaknesses can you know match up to Denmark's strengths and you know get them really through this semi final? Mm, yeah, yes, yeah. it's, it's a good question. Um, 
I'd say it is the space when Shaw goes forward. That is a weakness where you know, Rice maybe will be going forward, but that does leave a little bit of a gap with Stones or Maguire for someone to run in behind. And that is probably why I say if you can overload that when Shaw goes forward, you can get a few players on that side to maybe switch it over to the right and leave a lot of space. And that is the weakness. Apart from that, I mean, this tournament England conceded zero goals. They've really not been under many seizures. So, I mean, another weakness could be going forward. There's not really... I say a lot of power I mean, the Ukraine game that is Ukraine and I say the weakness Denmark could maybe sit back in a low block, stop England from attacking, then use that that dynamism of Damsgaard, you know, Robbie Savage has mentioned it, a lot of Damsgaard and, you know, Mailer and Braithwaite and Dolberg to really counter attack. And Harry Maguire, yes he's been good this tournament, but he's not a pace merchant as you know. So what I'd say is a weakness is for Denmark to hold back in that in that five at the back, sit back then release into the space and England could have real issues at that stage. Uh, so essentially, well, you would say counter-attacking football, to be honest. Exactly, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, counter-attacking football, I think. Uh, especially with, obviously, it's going to be difficult with the way England hold the ball, for example. Obviously, they've got ball players in midfield, Rice, Phillips, you know, Phillips, especially in that Bielsa system, he knows everything. He, he knows, the, you know, the pressure that comes with, obviously, being within that system, within both systems, to be honest. But anyway, getting on to score predictions now and wrapping up this podcast, hopefully soon. What, what? obviously, I know what you're going to say, because, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. But what, what, what would the score predictions be? I actually haven't thought about this at all. I just put this in the script. I can't really think of it on the spot. But I don't think England will concede... I think that's fair to say. I don't think they will concede a goal. I think if they don't concede tomorrow, it'll be mad. But I don't see Dolberg really causing issues. I don't see Braithwaite. Damsgaard is maybe the biggest issue. He's really, really a gifted, talented player who could, you know, get past Maguire with that little inch of pace. But, you know, enough about this waffle. I think the score prediction will be 1-0. I think 1-0 to England with, you know, I predicted in a Champions League final with Kai Havertz's goal. So I think I should probably pick a Chelsea player again to kind of emulate that. But... I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with the John Stones header. I'm gonna go with the John Stones header one nil. Uh, maybe in the sixty seventh minute, maybe it'll be that really edge England on the edge of their seat, and then it'll go into absolute ruptures, and England will win. But you know, Denmark will cause a lot of issues, and it will be uh, not a stroll in the park for England. But I do predict the one nil win to to England with the John Stones header. Could I could see England going like four 0 up in the first half and conceding like two goals in the mm. second or something? Like that. I don't know. That's that, that's just my opinion, but you know, I don't I don't trust my instincts very much. Um, when okay. having said that, I feel in my bones that uh, Germany would have beaten England, and my bones let me down. So yeah, yeah shame on the bones. But <laughs> anyway. This is where we will wrap up the podcast, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure to stay tuned in 9 a.m. tomorrow where we will view the Italy versus Spain semi-final. And make sure to keep things perfect.